What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Transition, a show aimed at demystifying the entrepreneur experience for those of you looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs team. In the following episode, I interview my good friend and fellow veterans and residents alumni, James Van Pruyen, a retired Air Force veteran and founder of the Military Podcaster Network. James and I joined Bunker Labs around the same time, both eventually serving as city leaders and immersing ourselves in the military entrepreneur community. James is extremely passionate about podcasting and has been making his rounds in the podcast community, attending conferences, workshops, and connecting with influencers. James opens up about what led him to podcasting after transitioning from the Air Force after 20 years of service. He gives insight into the podcast ecosystem and how he's managed to find his niche. James also talks about imposter syndrome and how he's overcome it by launching multiple ventures, including his own veterans and business mastermind group. James discusses the importance of community and how refreshing it is to be around other like-minded veterans pursuing entrepreneurship as a way of life. James has a commanding voice and exudes inspiration. I hope that you enjoy hearing from him and that this episode helps accelerate you on your own entrepreneurial journey. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to The Transition. Today, we're interviewing fellow Bunker Live city leader and entrepreneur, good friend of mine, James Van Pruyen. Not much, What's man. I on, love James? it. Like, uh, this is uh, so cool to see us being able to talk about the, all the things we're going to talk about. I love Bunker Labs. Um, as soon as I became a part of Bunker Labs, actually, even before it, really, I wasn't even really involved hardly in Bunker Labs when I met you for the first time in January of 2019 in New York City. I'm sorry, in Los Angeles. So this is very exciting. Yeah, man, I'm excited to have you. And uh, super dope that we finally got to get on a show. I know we've been trying to do a podcast with each other for a while Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Love it. No time like the present. That's right. So go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience out there. we got a lot of uh, aspiring Bunker Labs, entrepreneurs, uh, some are actually launched their ventures, some are thinking about launching their ventures, but uh, introduce yourself to them so they can know uh, who you are and how you oh, elevate sure. the network. So I um, am a Air Force, I retired Air Force, I did 20 years um, from 1995 to 2015. Uh, my background is IT. Uh, before I went in the military, I was never really going to go in, um, not because I was against the military, I just didn't think that was part of um a plan for me. I, uh, my grandfather's electrician and I was either going to, you know, and they had a, a hotel as well. So I saw a business model, but uh, I was going to be an electrician. I liked the fact that I didn't have to go to school for that. And I didn't want to travel. You know, there was no internet when I was growing up for the most part. So I kind of fell in the military. My brother went in and after 20 years in the, of the air force, uh, toward the end, I knew I wanted to get into business, but it really had changed what I wanted to do. And so as I was transitioning out, I just remember back like at the time. So talking like going to transition classes in 2014, there was for the most part, no thing, such thing as Bunker Labs. I heard about this thing called Boost to Business. There just wasn't, in my opinion, unless I just am totally missed it, the resources that we have now. So I didn't know where Bunker Labs was, but a year before I got out, I started networking in a business organization that was getting into podcasting. And I started listening to podcasts right about then and listening to self-development and business related podcasts. But then I was like, okay, if I'm going to do a podcast, what, what's something I'm interested in? And I quickly kind of resonated towards veteran slash military business. And actually early on when I started interviewing people, I heard of this thing called bunker labs and it was probably 2016, 17 ish. So it was really early on for bunker labs so uh, a guy I'd interviewed on my podcast lived in Denver. I'm sorry, lived in uh, Atlanta and moved to Denver. And I went out to San Francisco in 2018 to use my GI Bill school benefit to go to further my education. And I kind of had been in Tampa for so long and I wanted to kind of get involved in, in San Francisco and really network and find out, you know, on the business side and, and even military veteran side, like what was going on. And when I first moved out there, the guy I'd interviewed on my, my veterans and business podcast had, um, gone through when he went out to Denver, probably 2017 ish, he had been a part of this program that he told me about called the veteran residence program. And that was really the first time I'd even knew what that was. So he linked me with people at bunker labs in San Francisco 
but I'll be honest, like I kind of chopped the ball and really didn't do anything with that. But like somehow at the same time, I met a person who was moving, getting out of the military as a Green Beret in San Diego, moving up the Bay Area. And when I met him in San Francisco, probably mid 2018, it was yeah June of 18, he had been plugging in and accepted to the veteran res- residence program at San Francisco. And then actually later that year, we had been kind of talking because we were in the same college. Like we talked about college and he went to the same school as me. We started talking about, you know, the local community and getting plugged in in military and veteran entrepreneurship, you know, and, and he was telling me and inviting me to Bunker Lab events in San Francisco. Really, that was the initial of, if it wasn't for that, I'm pretty much going to tell you not because I wasn't interested. I just, it wasn't really on my radar, but as soon as, he kind of talked to me about what the program was. He went through the veteran residence program. Um, he's like, you should apply for this program, you know, and I was starting to go late 18 to these events in San Francisco. And I was like, first bunker brews I was in, I was like, I love this. This is like, you know, like probably a lot of other people experience. Here's a community. Here's a group of people that are really passionately seeking after, you know, at different points of where they're at in business. You know, I was like, okay, this is definitely something that I can plug into. I love this community. I want to be a part. And uh, not long after that, early 2019, I was actually able to, um, through uh, opportunity, they needed city leaders, uh, just kind of fit in to be a city leader and kind of, instead of going to the the veteran residence program, I was able to be a city leader. So I've been involved in Bunker Labs ever since. So hopefully that's not too long. They came in right around the same time, right around that, like, I came in the ecosystem right about 2017. I uh, had my first bunker brews uh, summer of 2017 out at Stanford Ignite, but didn't get put on as a volunteer until probably late November, December, you know, yeah. 2017. And then we met at a at a veterans and residents event, I believe. Actually, maybe, but I th- the first time I remember, um, and this is kind of goes along that same timeline. At the beginning of 2019. I had just kind of put in my application for the early 2019 veteran residents to be part of the program, you know, to be in the veteran residence program in, in the Bay Area. And I was in LA to visit somebody that I knew that had a studio in West Hollywood. And the city leader told me, hey, we're having this uh, Bunker Labs event and, you know, happened to been that same week in at the uh, Los Angeles veteran residence program chapter. Yep. So I actually met you there. That's the first time I think that I can remember I met you because you were hosting. Um, it was like kind of a, it wasn't a bunker bruiser, but it was like a fireside chat. Yeah. Fireside chats, man. My pre-podcasting days. To be honest, that's what gave me the confidence to do the stuff I'm, I do now. It's funny that like people see you doing certain things, but they don't really know the history behind it. So Absolutely. even with me with podcasting, right? Like doing those fireside chats with the WeWork and veterans and residents. That was my experience of just kind of going through the process of putting the show together. And I want to really highlight you too, because I felt, and I'm not just saying this, if, if I didn't feel this way, I wouldn't bring it up at all, but I felt you were, you did great as a, you know, as a host and, you know, it was you and Alicia, I believe, but you, yep. you know, you ask good questions. I mean, that's what this is, as you've seen, what this is all about. It's like just being curious and just knowing how to progress and like ask the right questions and, and really just guide the conversation. So you do really well at that. Yeah, no, man, I appreciate it. You know, the nice thing about even shows like this is, uh, you know, just as veterans, as somebody that's still very much in the fight, by no means have I like made it. I'm able to ask questions that I think provide value to our audience because our goal, and I think for people like me, we just want to get people to where we're at right now. And there's, and we also want to make them better, to be honest. But there's a lot of people that see us moving and they're like, damn, man, I would love to, you know, be like you and James, but how did you get started? Where to go? I, you know, they haven't really put themselves out there. And so that's why podcasting is cool because it just gives us the opportunity to build relationships with people and pull them into the ecosystem a little bit and connect them with some of the opportunities we have within Bunker Labs. Absolutely. What I want to do now, James, I want you to take off your armor a little bit for us. So I know you, I know you run a a mastermind group. You got podcasts, you got the military podcast network, got a lot of exciting stuff going on, but what's something you're struggling with right now is like a small business owner. Cause last time I checked, most of us as veteran entrepreneurs, not all of us raise a bunch of capital to launch our ventures. We like bootstrap, we hustle, you eat what you kill. And so even though, you know, it looks like we're rocking and rolling all the time, it is still a grind and it's a hustle. And so I like to have our guests take off their armor, just a way to create empathy um, with our audience and pull back the curtain a little bit. 
Absolutely. I love that. Um, so for me, I think all of this has been a discovery. Like for, I, I can only talk for myself when I was coming out of the military, I got, you know, I'm probably, I really like to say I'm a good, almost six years into my transition. Like a year before I got out, I started networking in the military, I'm sorry, in the business community in Tampa, Florida. And, uh, the things that I'm doing now I can trace almost not even almost like a hundred percent back to January of 2014, which when, when I was still in, and as I was coming out, I was still trying to figure out, okay, like, you know, I did it in the military. I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to start an it business. I did electrical growing up. I could have done that as I got out. I just didn't want to do that. Like I wanted to do something bigger. And as I was like, okay, let me try to start over and totally figure out this new thing. I didn't want to work for the government. I was like, okay, I'm going to try to figure out a way to where I can make enough money. You know, of course, luckily I had a military retirement, I had a disability where we don't, I mean, I didn't really think about much while I was in, but had a little bit of money that I was being paid for that at the post 9-11 GI bill. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take these resources and I can make it work until I figure out what I want to do. So when I was getting into podcasting, one thing, you know, and this definitely relates right to the, um, the mastermind that I'm doing, all the people that were, that I was listening to that were in podcasting, I heard a lot of people ask, what was the, what would you do if you could do it over? What would you do? And they were like, I would start a Facebook group. So I, I had started a Facebook group for the, the veterans of business show that I do. And you know, I didn't know how to do a Facebook group. I didn't know what I was doing, but even though I didn't know, and we kind of figured it out, I was still planning a lot of the seeds about uh, what's happening all these years later. So I, I've worked for like a digital marketer doing some extra work to get a little bit of money at the time. Like I went in 2018 to go to, to school out in San Francisco to be able to not only get my degree, but use the money, some extra money that I was getting paid there to funnel back into the business endeavors. So a lot of the things I've done has really been the long term of if I can somehow figure this out and stay afloat, you know, that was that was my mindset. So that's kind of how I've done all these things is I've really slowly like, you know, I want to grow out a, a media company using podcasting. So that's a long term thing. So figure it out different ways of how to add shows, how to do advertising, how to do all these these separate things with the long-term goal of just staying really afloat. And same thing with, I would have never known I was going to do my own mastermind. Like I, the reason I did a mastermind that I was involved in was I knew I wanted to do this podcast network. So I was like, okay, I'm doing these huge things coming out of the military. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no background in business for the most part. You know, I've done 20 years in the Air Force doing you know, kind of this, this separate thing that's not, not totally related to business. Let me put myself around people that are, that are doing big, huge things. And so as soon as I became part of a mastermind in 28, uh, 2017, 2018, I was like, I knew that day, I was like, I'm going to do my own mastermind specifically in the military veteran niche. And then that's really been very related to Bunker Labs. For me, a lot of helping the different cohorts, I've seen the things that we struggle with. So, you know, the mastermind is really just putting a group of people together. It's like you have like a group of CEOs or you have a, like a, a, you know, and you're involved in one as well, Mike. So you know this, but it's like you put yourself in and surround yourself with people that are pushing each other to like, have you thought of doing it this way? Have you thought of doing it that way? And so even though I'd been talking about doing the mastermind for a while and knew I would do it, it took me, you know, I just launched it recently and it goes back to that Facebook group. Like I've gotten people that are in my mastermind now, a paid mastermind that I would have never known who they were if it wasn't for me doing my veterans and business podcast, Facebook group. So, so hopefully that makes sense. Like I, I, you know, it's at this point you like for me anyway, I'm just slowly figuring out, okay, how do I, you know, there's so many different business models. Like what's the best way at the lowest cost for me to just, you know, make a little bit of money or stay even where I can stay in business and then build off of that, that. So I feel like for me personally, I'm just getting started. Like I've, I've served, I hate this to say this and it sounds like whatever, but you survive and stay learn alive, man. just stay the long, alive. like, yeah. Like if you're in the fight, you still have a chance. So, so 
at first I had no idea what I was doing and I tried not to be scared, but I was like, what's the worst going to happen? I can always go back and work for the government. I have an IT background. And then, but as you start doing podcasting and some of these other things, all these other opportunities open up and then, you know, I've learned so many skills about networking and there's so many opportunities in the, even in Bunker Labs to partner with other people and to, to really collaborate and, and partner up on certain things. So that's, Hopefully that makes sense. It probably is no, a long yeah, answer it makes to your question. Sense. And I think a lot of people that are coming to entrepreneurship, man, everybody's making it up. You know, don't don't get it twisted. You know, you see me and James running around, got a little Bunker Labs t-shirts on, we're leading. We're still figuring it out. But I, I think, like you said, man, the longer you're in the game, you just get better at staying alive. You know, like I think for me, right, personally, me at year one, right, I would have got put out of business in COVID. Like straight up, I would have been, I just didn't have the mental resilience. I probably didn't have enough experience to navigate the space. But for me to be in business going on like a little over two years now, COVID hit, it sucks. It was a grinder, but like, you're just sharper. You're tougher. You know what I mean? You're not like so bright eyed and naive, you know, that, Hey, you got to figure this stuff out. No one is going to jump in here and save you. You can't pick up the phone and fire off an email to bunker lives or call WeWork or call somebody like help, help. I'm drowning. No, man, you got to put your thinking cap on and get after it. And I think what you just talked about was the important factor of being a business owner, especially a small business owner, is you have to stay alive. Like the longer you stay alive, you increase your chances of success to a certain point, obviously. Like nobody wants to be on a hamster wheel spinning around in a circle. But at the end of the day, we love what we do. We're very passionate about the work we do. And we just want to keep doing it, even in the midst of a pandemic and social unrest and all the craziness that goes on. Yeah, but that's what I'd like too is it's, you change as you go to the things you think you will do a lot of times change and morph into other things, but you have to be in the game to be able to do that. So for me, you know, I would have never known where I was going when I first started out, but you have to start to get where you're at. So, you know, I, I just love, that's what I love about bunker labs. I love about military and veteran entrepreneurship because I think, you know, entrepreneurship is already tough, but I feel our community has the advantage because we've, all these skills we got in the military, like we've learned to do what it takes. Like, you know, it's, I don't go, I hope this will work. It's going to work. I'll figure it out. And if it has to be something else closely related, here's all the things I'm learning while I'm doing, you know, this endeavor. And, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I would, you know, that once you kind of taste it a little bit, it's hard really to not do it. You know, so. Absolutely. And speaking of Bunker Labs, we should give a shout out to Bunker Labs was bringing us together. So for For those of you who don't know, Bunker Labs is a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military-connected community start their own businesses. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military-connected community has the network, tools, and resources they need to start their own business. 25% of transition and service members want to start a business, and they need places inside their community where they can connect with the people, resources, and the support they need. We're here for them. You can learn more by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org. Be sure to also check out our social network, Bunker Online, which is set up for the military connected community where Bunker Lab staff helps make connections to increase your opportunities. You can register today at www.bunkeronline.org. All right, James. So you've kind of touched on it, but I want to go. I want you to do a little deeper dive for us psychologically, mentally, uh, spiritually. Talk to us about your transition out of the Air Force and finding that sense of meaning and that sense of purpose into what you're doing now. Absolutely. I mean, that's what's, I don't say hard for me to really wrap my head around, but at what I heard of this, but what you're coming out, I felt truly like probably the beginning of 2019 was the year for me. So I'd been out, you know, I'd even kind of, started my transition five years prior, like 2014 to 2019 took me that, that many years personally to figure out more what I wanted to do and what it looked like. And I felt, I just remember at the beginning of 2019, I'm like, okay, I've got all these things and the, the, you know, I have enough background on what I think I want to do now post military that I'm like, okay, I'm in full execution mode. But I heard people say this and like, I I know my own mindset was like, well, you know, I did all these things growing up. I did all these things in in the military space. I was tactical, did honor guard. I did so many different, you know, comp communication planning, the military, you know, at least the air force trained me so well on different backgrounds. I'm like, 
and I did some, you know, odd jobs. I did a cabinet shop while I was in the military. I did all these things. I was like, how hard can it be? Like I got an IT background, like I'll be fine to transition out of the military. Like I, you know, I'd been in involved in some things all through my career that were not military related to where I was like, how hard can it be? But it really, as you're coming out, like, I think for me specifically, because I didn't want to just go work for the government after I got out, I didn't want to take, you know, the, the true path of like, here's what I did while I'm in the military and I'll just turn right around and work at the base or do those things. And nothing wrong with that. Like, because I didn't choose that, I feel like for me, the transition took quite a while and I feel the last couple of years, especially, but it doesn't discount those other years. I think everything built off that, the relationships I have, I can look back. A lot of that stuff started in 2014 and the skills that I got of how I networked, what I did in San Francisco directly was related to what I was doing in Florida 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. So for me, it's just been this journey of like, um, you know, I just remember like build a, you know, when I was first getting out, I heard this expression, build a bridge before you need it. We did this stuff a lot in the military, like network in the military of, of getting things done. But when I was getting out, I was like, okay, I need to build this whole new network. So as I started going to all these podcast related things and all these other, you know, online and, and, um, digital marketing, uh, traits and, and qualifications. It just gave me, uh, like I didn't have a background in that, but as I started to be around people like that and put myself around business owners and put myself around people, you know, online that were doing these kind of things, all of those things I can look back and that's been a part of my transition to where the things I know now and able, I'm able to do, I've learned basically starting in 2014. I just don't think I had a lot of that stuff before that, not because there was anything wrong with the Air Force. It was just a different time. Like I wasn't, you know, applying those things because in the military space, I just didn't need to do as many of those things. But yeah, no, um, I tell people, I think it takes about three years to transition, sometimes a little bit longer. And what I mean by that transition, I'm talking about like, you know, when we graduate, when we leave the military, it's almost like graduating college. You know, it's like you just kind of get out in the world and you're like coming off that high. Okay, we're just in school. This is a real world. Things work differently. It's the same thing in the military, you know, because you can be in the military for 10, 15, 20 years. Then you get out and it's like it really is like you're starting over whole new set of skills. I mean, for both of us, the skill sets we have now, the stuff we can do now, we didn't learn in the military, you know, setting up websites, getting the email newsletter going like all that. Could you imagine that? In the in no. the military, you know, it's it's like it's just a different skill set. But over time, yeah. we've we've taught ourselves these we've taught ourselves these skills, and we've been able to monetize them. I think we're a lot comfortable in who we are. I mean, even just looking at us, right? Like your hair, yeah. my beard, you know, we're like we're just chilling. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think you know that's that's for me anyway. What I've done is like I I feel like we all have our own path, and I'm definitely one of the people that'll always advocate for you know, whatever you want to do and whatever you go after, you can accomplish. And I think, you know, for me personally, I've gotten a little bit better of it, but when I was transitioning, I just chose, I was like, okay, the military is a certain chapter. I want to totally go a different direction. You know, I want to, I never grew my hair out. You know, I went right out of after high school. So I always had short hair. I was like, okay, you know, I want to grow this out and kind of have a new identity and just figure out who I am now post-military. So I think a lot of those things and, and, sometimes you just have to really go with your gut because I had certain people, you know, even on the, you know, not military business side, there was like, you know, you have to look a certain way. You have to present yourself a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. And I just pushed back on that. Like, I was like, it might be right, but I'm going to, I'm stubborn. I was like, I'm going to figure that out as I go. Like, I think I can do it this other way. So, you know, I think maybe that's why I've really liked entrepreneurship, but I think, you know, we have those, the ability, both sides, like I did military, I've been able to conform to certain things. But I think in the, in the veteran, I'm sorry, on the entrepreneurship side, it is question, question everything. Like, what's another way? But we did that in the military too. Like, okay, this, this is the way we've always done it, but is that the right way? Is there another way? Like, let's push conventional wisdom. Let's, let's say, what if we could do it this way? So I was one of those guys too, by the way, right? Cause I used to always see the Marines struggling when they got out and I was just like, man, shave your beard, stay in shape, look sharp. But that's definitely like when you're, I think one thing we don't talk a lot about is like culture. We always talk about it in the Marine Corps, but it's like, like I just found out that I score really low at conformity. I am the anti-conformist, you know? So for, it's funny for me to kind of tell people that, but like culturally, 
like one of the things that's appealing about entrepreneurship is that you can kind of create your own culture. You can create the culture that you actually want to show up to work for and or your employees want to show up for. You know, and I think when we come from that mindset, we're coming from that military mindset. But like there's certain cultures that guess what, man, if you got a sleeve tattoo, you got long wavy hair. They're like, sign up. We love you. <laughs> you know, and what I found is that when people are themselves, when you can be yourself, when you can be authentic, you are so much happier. Your performance goes up so, so high. And you kind of equate it to like a lot of the artists, right? Like the graphic designers. A lot of those guys are just super artsy, got the sleeves, whatever. Man, they can wear whatever they want and charge whatever they want because they're really good at their craft. And so that has like, that's a paradigm shift, right? I no longer say that anymore. I'm like, yo, man, find a culture, find a job, find something that fits for you. Yep. Yeah. And I love that. And I mean, I, that's what I believed and and I'm, I've just kind of figured that out as I go, but I think, you know, we come out of that culture and that was part of my mindset. I was like, okay, when I'm out of the military, I could look, I could look four years later, like I'm still in the military, but it doesn't make me any more whatever branch in the military. Cause I'm not anymore. So for me, it was like, okay, let me figure out what that identity is. And I think also, you know, there's nothing wrong with it either way. Like if you're comfortable with putting on a suit and tie and you want to look like that and, you know, high and tight or clean and cut, whatever way you want to look, there's nothing wrong with that. But I thought, I felt personally like, um, our culture was changing. You know, I say our, like the United States, I just felt like maybe the older generations felt like if you look a certain way, it's this, but I felt like, you know what, the younger people and the people my age and younger, I just don't, I strongly believed it was going to change. So I was like, I would rather, at this point I can do, I, you know, I've conformed to the air force all these years. I've looked a certain way. I was the same person. You just didn't know it. So I was like, okay, let me go figure out what I'm who I am and what my look is. And if, you know, people accept that they do, if they don't, they don't. And, and I was just comfortable in that. And the longer I was out, the more comfortable. So it's a, you know, it's kind of in a way, you know, we don't talk a lot about branding in the military as well, right? You're, we all want to look alike and, you know, not stand out as individuals, but now when you're outside and you're doing your, your business, I mean, you kind of both your business and you are your brand. So it's whatever you want it to be. That's why I go by the moniker, Iron Mike Stedman, just dial it in, just close the loop, you know? Yep. Love it. So you podcasting, man, I feel like I'm behind the curve with you on podcasting. You're the podcast, you're the real podcast OG for Bunker. Cause you've been preaching the podcast gospel for a minute. And one of the things I love when I see like your old social media and stuff You've done the conferences. You've done all that kind of stuff. Like even on your LinkedIn says podcast expert. Um, talk to us about that podcast and like why podcasting of all things. Absolutely. Well, and I think it goes back. So it, a couple of things I think have helped me of personally believing this space and content creation and a lot of the new newer ways of, of media like I, it was just timing. Like I was coming out of the military. So, uh, January of 2014, I knew I was getting out and I found this e-marketing group in Tampa, Florida that was run by a guy named Chris Kermitsos who had a business organization as well. He had started this kind of small business, uh, marketing community in 20, I'm sorry, 2008. And so a month after I, I met him, they were the business organization that he was running that I started volunteering for. Uh, his wife was a part of it as well. She started her podcast February, 2014. So they started really, you know, talking about like at the uh, small events, they would have her speak first few months of what she was learning in, in doing her podcast. So I knew what a podcast was. I just didn't understand that just anyone could really do a podcast about what you're passionate about, put it in, in relation to what your thing is like. So like, as I started hearing these things, I was like, wow, I could do it. Like, what am I interested in? Okay. I care about business. I want to, you know, I'm listening to these business people on the, on, on their podcast, talk about just business in general. I was like, I would, it would be cool to really niche down to the military veteran space because this is, this is me. I would want to listen to this. Let me try to create something to where if I was listening, I would want to learn these things, you know? So that's, as I was getting out, I just saw them talk about, look, podcasting. And I saw it. Like they said, radio is going to switch over to where like you have Netflix, you have all this on-demand content, but on the radio side, audio side, right now it's kind of old, right? Wait, the radio, you have to listen to all these hours of something you don't want to listen to, to get the little bit that you want to listen to. 
there's like that's changing with through podcasting through technology everything's becoming easier cheaper more accessible as they put stuff in cars i just saw it in 2014 like i was seeing hearing all these things 2014 15 16 going to podcast conferences i was like okay like i just feel strongly like this is something that you know all of our voices matter but you can niche down like i felt especially on the business side i was like okay i i felt very strongly more and more and more businesses would have a podcast related to what they do to get their message out. Just almost like if you had a book or if you, you know, quote unquote, had a TV station that you could have, I was like, why wouldn't you, you know, do this to where, you know, you, you're able to shape your message any way you want and you're able to really craft it to where you can sell your business and sell yourself and sell your things of, of what you're doing. So that's really why I got involved in it personally. And then the more I became involved with that, I just became, you know, avid of like everybody, I don't say everybody, but like I felt, like a lot of people had ways, especially in the spaces I was becoming a part of that, you know, like, like you, right. Like you're doing these boxing things, you're doing these things. I was like, you know, or your story, your passion. I was like, it's just a way to express those things. I felt early on as I was hearing, like there was no true quote unquote gatekeeper. So if you like, you know, try to get on CBS radio or CBS, you know, you know a news or something, somebody at CBS is going to tell you what you could do. But if you yourself, became, you know, whatever podcast you want, you could do whatever you want. Like nobody's telling me, Hey, you know what I mean? we like what you're doing here, but we don't like what you're doing there. Change it. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. So I, I think that's what really appealed to me about the podcasting space. So luckily timing wise, I kind of got in relatively early. I mean, it, podcasting became a thing probably like 2005, six ish, but still 13, 14, 15, it was a lot less crowded than it is now. And I feel like we're even still early right now in here in 2020. Yeah, no, podcasting is super dope. And I think we're just scratching the surface now. Like I listen to Headspace, right? Just for meditation. Headspace is doing all kinds of stuff with audio. I mean, you put their stuff on, you feel like you're on another planet or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Some of the cool stuff they're doing with that. But just thinking of like, because I know every time we talk podcast now, like even that is changing, right? I just read a whole book about it. Like what is a podcast? Audible is putting out all these branded Audible originals, but what they really are almost like, one giant podcast series or just one pi- podcast yeah. episode when you think about it. Um, what was it like, like the conferences and stuff you do, you've been to, sorry. How, what were some of the best conferences you've, you've been to for, around podcasts? Yeah, that's a great, yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, Mike. But I think even your example goes back to what I said. Like imagine in 2014, 15, when I was first kind of discovering it for myself about not just what a podcast was, but that space itself and where it would go. Nobody knew that the stuff Audible's doing would do now, right? In 2020, like that, all of this kind of was being talked about. And I guess for me, I had could see it like with a IT background. I was like, I knew it was going to take some time. And I was like, as I believed, okay, get in now because this is only going to become more and more. I just felt it was the next. And I, I heard, you know, t- to your question about podcast conferences, I remember. So I started, uh, Podfest was created in 2015 in the Tampa area by Chris Kermitzos. And one of the first speakers, well, the first speaker at that conference was Jared Easley, who was actually a Navy veteran as well, who co-founded a podcast conference just before that called um, Podcast Movement. So I started through going to Podfest in 2015, right as I was getting out, um, going to Podcast Movement and Podfest every, you know, kind of within a four or five, six months of each other to be around these content creators, uh, more and more people were starting to come to both conferences. And I remember in 2016 going to podcast movement in Chicago and, um, a guy named I'm trying to remember his, uh, Kevin, Kevin James that does the, the, um, different movies and yep. uh, Jane Silent Bob and all yep. that. Like I remember him talking about podcasting, being something he's like, if I could start over, he's like, it's truly as a content creator, the one place where I can do whatever I want. He's like with movies and all these other things, there's always somebody telling me yes or no, I can or can't do something. And so for me, as I was going and listening to that, I just saw, it's like, wow, like you can shape your show and your, your message to be whatever you want. And that was just where everything was going. So, so for me, it was through a lot of that, um, being around people that were, figuring it out as they went to. And, and like the biggest question a lot of times was like, 
you know, which I don't know that is always the best questions. Like, you know, I want to do a podcast. How can I monetize it? And I just don't think that's always the best way to say it. Like you, your podcast might not, I mean, um, advertising or sponsorship might not be the right answer for a podcast. And I've heard people speak at some of the meetups that I was at about podcasting, talk about having sponsorship at first and actually pulling it to sponsor their own. Cause they're like, I was getting paid a certain amount to advertise for someone that was truly kind of my competitor. But by me taking that sponsorship off and putting my service on there, I was actually making more money and using my podcast as a vehicle to, to promote that. So, so I think for, for conferences, like I started to me, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do podcasting, I want to be around it and meet all the people that are doing it and learn from them. But even just networking, like I used to go and listen to a lot of things, but you know, the tech and the how to evolve so often. And there's so much tech and there's so much change as you even referenced, you know, that's happening here in 2020 that I think the relationships and knowing the the companies and the, the movers and the shakers and, you know, the, the ways to do strategy and, you know, who's doing what and what hasn't been done. You know, that's been the biggest value for me of being at the podcast conferences because I figure, okay, I'm a podcaster at heart. Like I felt even more so like a you know, wanted to help people start their podcasts. I wanted to kind of grow out a podcast network as I was hearing, you know, that concept early on in 2014, 15, 16 with people that had other kind of networks. I just was like, for me, I was kind of all in. So I would say, I mean, PodFest is, is kind of my home list earlier this year. We did March, we did um, military creator con, which is kind of a separate small uh, micro con underneath PodFest and, and had, you know, specific, people speaking on the military side of the different areas that they were doing YouTube and content creation and podcasting around military. So, so I'd say PodFest has been, you know, kind of my home base, you know, all the relationships started from PodFest in 2015. I've been helping in that conference ever since. And, uh, but, you know, Thrive Make Money Matter conference has been a good conference that I've gone to, but on the podcast side, like for, for that, PodFest and Podcast Movement, probably the two, two uh, most influential conferences for what I'm doing now. I remember when all these people started hitting me up like, Mike, you coming to the Military Creator Conference and Influencer Conference? I'm like, dude, for it, I just put videos up on my social media. I sh shoot the laziest videos on my iPhone, but I get really good content because all my content is authentic, right? It goes back to what we were talking about. Like for, I teach boxing. I work with inner city kids. So 99.9% .9 of the videos I put out Focus on that. Um, but it does really well on my social media. People enjoy it. They enjoy the mission. They enjoy the branding. And, uh, but you know, all these conferences and stuff, people reached out to me and I, I just never viewed myself as like a influencer or a creator, but I guess you grow into it. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I, you know, and I want, what's hard for me and I push back a lot on those terms is, and you know, I think that's kind of a newer thing. We're all influencers, right? Like whether people know who you are everywhere or not doesn't mean you're not influencing people in New Jersey or, you know, in Bunker Labs community. We're all a lot big, you know, more and bigger influencer, influencing and influencers than we really think. And so, or even, you know, and I think when we talk about content creation, it's just getting the word out using these powerful tools, whether it's, you know, doing something off of your phone and putting it on YouTube or putting in a Facebook group. It doesn't matter where you're putting it, put it out there to really talk about your message. It's easier now than ever to, to do those things. So that's really to me what this is about. It's like not a thing in itself. It's just goes so well with whatever you're doing, like with the, you know, the boxing stuff that you're doing, what better way to really bring somebody there if there's somebody somewhere else in the world and they can't really fully appreciate what you're doing when they watch your videos or they watch your interviews or they watch your, your content and the content creation side, they're able to be like, wow, like I see it now. I, now I really understand and I want to get behind that and support it. So I think that's what it ends up being about for me. Yeah. I know when I first started my, my first podcast, Confessions of a Native Son, I had this idea for this show. And it's, again, when people see this stuff come out, they think it's just like, oh, my God, it's an idea. Like, a lot of us are holding on to these ideas, but to actually make it happen. And I was talking about doing the podcast like a year ago. It took me maybe a little over six months to finally do it. I, was, I think I started podcast practice in August of last year. But I didn't actually launch the show until February. Um, but I remember when I was approaching it, right? I was like, do I want to monetize this? Because it's a completely different 
a, a strategy and approach. And for me, I was torn because I was like, man, I just, I feel like when I have to monetize every single thing I do, it takes the fun out of it. You know? And I'm like, I have this stuff I want to talk about. It ain't boxing related. Boxing, it just happens to be my personality. But I talk about race, culture, and business because I have this background in history and African-American studies. And so I wanted a way to scratch that itch of my personality. And I felt like podcasts would be great to do, to do so. So I went to it with the opposite. I was like, I'm not going to monetize it. I'm just going to create something for me, stuff I like to listen to. I listen to my own show. And then right around the episode 10, 11 mark, we went from like, 20 subscribers, 20 downloads per episode to just like, boom, you know, 200, 300, you know, like people start like per episode, you're talking about like 200, 300 downloads per episode. And it's interesting when you start having people that are actually listening to you, that they're like super fans, they're tuning in, they're sending you messages on LinkedIn, they're writing emails and you're like, whoa, this is, it's getting, yeah. it's getting real now. But, but I think, and I love that you're kind of talking about that, a lot of that. And I think what it ends up being is, and I think where there's a little short sightedness is people, when they ask that question, like, as I look back, I think it's the wrong question. Like, how quick can I do this? And how quick can I monetize? That's the, the you're not asking the right questions. Like, why am I doing this? And I think I've heard people talk about, which I've always kind of recommended to people when I've uh, advised them, if you're not willing to do your podcast or your show or your thing for the, for five years to kind of, you know, for the long term, don't even start. And I think, you know, it takes time for traction. It takes time to get good, you know, unless you've got this background, like say if you did 20 years, you know, media in the military or whatever, wherever your background is, you know, maybe you will be better at the beginning, but for a lot of us, I've never interviewed anyone. Like I don't, you know, I still feel like I'm sort of figuring it out as I go to try to get good at it. So, you know, kind of to your point and, and, you know, the, if you're truly to me doing it for the right reason, it's about how many, like what's the one or two or three people that I can impact then five, then 10, then 20, then 30, you know, it, it, I think that's the bigger thing. It's like, you know, it's, that's why I really resonate with it. It is so powerful and, you know, it's satisfying, you know, and that keeps us going. I think when you hear the people that's, you know, even, you know, not that it's a podcast as I do stuff in my Facebook group and I have people say, you know, even today, like on Facebook messenger, thanks for what you're doing. That's what keeps, you know, people like me going is like hearing what you're doing. Thanks for doing the stuff inside the Facebook group with trainings and with happy hours and stuff like that. So, yeah, so I think that goes that Facebook saying, group, boy. Y'all are getting after it. I love it, man. I love to see the, the, you know, get, just helping people find meaning and a sense of purpose. I mean, what price can you put on that? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's the bigger thing. It's like, unless, you know, if you're, you're doing it for the things you really care about, I think that's the better question and thing. It's like, if you could do anything and this just kind of goes along with it, what would that be? Like, if you care about, you know, boxing or, or the, you know, New York city or whatever thing you're into, you know, just put that along with it. You know, that's why I like podcasting is that I think it just amplifies those niches that you, that you would already do stuff in and it just goes along with it. And then you, it's not a short term thing. It's like, let me, you know, and I won't mention, well, I kind of will mention somewhat, but this, the race that I'm involved in, uh, there's a, a race that I started doing a podcast and I'm a co-host on. And I, I remember talking to a person who used to work for the race and is very uh, instrumental in, developing out the trail version of this race and for a little bit. So we're the, as official as you get for a podcast for the race, the race still in 2020 and it was founded in 20, I'm sorry, 2004 still has no official podcast, but they, they try to do it. And he's like, well, we, we tried an episode, a few episodes and it didn't work. Like it just didn't get traction. You know, that's not the right answer, right? Like it's, you, it's going to take time to do like, you know, if you're just trying to do it really quick and, and test it and see if it works, I think that goes back to that five year thing. It's, you know, it's going to take time. It's like, if you have a website and nobody knows who you are, you can't just throw it up and expect, Hey, if I'm just out there three months from now, everybody should know about it. And then how do I get paid for that? You know, it's, I think anything worth doing is worth doing well and for the long term. So, I really kind of go back to to a lot of this stuff that we're talking about is, you know, that's why I love military and veteran entrepreneurship. And, you know, I get so much out of it, not even from a monetary standpoint of interviewing different people and learning. Like I've learned 
you know, gotten to be friends with people because of it. I've, you know, heard things and I'm like getting a lot of out value out of it, even for me. And I'm hoping to be able to obviously kind of parlay that into to my audience and the people that, you know, that's, uh, I'm always trying to get better to ask the good questions to where, like, if I was that person listening, what would I want to know right now? So, yeah. Even going back to your point about, like whether it's business, whether it's starting a podcast, starting a nonprofit venture, I know everybody wants to just kind of line up that perfect customer right out the gate, but you also have to grow, you know, because until you put stuff out there, I feel like you can have your perfect audience. You can market the stuff. You can talk to them. It still is not going to hit right away unless you're just that much of a boss. What I've found out to happen is that you kind of stumble upon it. Like you kind of start out with a general direction and then Boom, you find your perfect audience. Like for my podcast, I started talking about the military on one episode, just my experience as an African-American Marine officer. That podcast blew up, right? And the episode after that blew up as well. And I knew hook, line, and sinker that if I wanted to just own a niche, I could own a niche around the podcast around Black Marine officers, military, Black officers in general, and military, like focus on that. But for me, at a personal level, that's not why I started my podcast. I started my podcast to help me articulate my thoughts, feelings, and emotions for a book about race, culture, and business, right? And so while it's easy, it can be like, man, I could go down this hole. I could grow this great audience and, you know, just focus on that. But like you said, do I really want to interview just military, you know, 10, you know, one, two, three years down the line, or do I want to give myself some wiggle room? And that goes against like what they teach you. Everybody's like niche, niche, niche. But at the end of the day, you got to create it. So you want to keep showing up to it. You know, you want to keep growing. You don't want to stagnate. That's why you see all these podcast hosts do like five different shows because they niche themselves in one and they can't talk about anything. But Joe Rogan, he's like, we're going to go three hours. He's like, we'll go three hours. We're going to go deep. And I like that. I mean, to me, it goes back to what I, I felt at the beginning is that like, even now, like I push back, there is no right or wrong. It's your show. Like there's no, you know, we're still all figuring it out as we go. Like, you know, do, do what you believe is, you know, really more closely related to what your audience is. Like, you know, I think that what it always comes down to, it's like, you know, yes, you can do a show that you care the most about and only you do. But if nobody else does, that's only going to last so long, like no matter how many years you do it. So it really, of course, has to be related. Like, who am I doing this for? Who do I believe that avatar is that's listening? The better you can really talk to that person and know who that is and, you know, figure that out and articulate it. You know, that's really what I think a lot of this is about. Do you listen to your own show? Do you listen to your own episodes? Sometimes it's tough. Yeah. Like, you You're know, in the 100 I mean, episode mark now. That's probably harder. I know for the first couple episodes, like I listen to every, I, if you catch me, I'm, I don't listen to them as much, but early on, man, I was listening to every episode. Yeah. But I, I mean, and I think this is, you know, goes more towards a different kind of conversation to me. It's hard because I actually edit a lot, which I shouldn't be doing, but I edit a lot of my own stuff. So a lot of times just like, I didn't really, that was another kind of cool thing about the process is you learn a lot about yourself. It's like, wow, I sound like that, you know, I'm doing that. So you start to be really, and not the voice. Like, I think you get over that pretty quickly or even video, you know, like I don't like certain aspects when I watch myself on video, but you get past those things, but it's really, you know, you're like, wow, like, I need, why do I stutter like that? Or why do I, why didn't I, you know, I need to get quicker to my thought or like I asked too long of a question. So I think a lot of times when I listen, I'm listening to some of that, but more than that, what's cool for me personally, and, and, I, and maybe you would be the same way. Like I was like some certain things that are happening. I'm just like, that's why I do it. I love that. Like that's just to get to that point and hear that, that point that that guest had or, you know, that experience or that moment, like later on when I know those people and I talk to them, it's like, I'll never forget that. Even people that I've interviewed, like in a couple of days, I'm going to get to interview a person I've been really going after for a while. Like he was a, a communication officer of mine um, in Colorado Springs we did like this, you know, quite a few volunteer things. We played intramural sports together. He, him and his wife retired as officers out of Colorado Springs. He's got a CrossFit gym and a brewery, but I would have never imagined like in mid two thousands that I'd ever interview him on, my, on a podcast, right? Like to talk about business and talk about like not post-military. So 
you know, but where I was going and what's cool about that is like, you learn so much about people that even if you knew him, like I'm about to you know turn around right now and interview you on my podcast until I interview you. I feel like I know you a little bit. I'm, that's what's cool about a podcast. Like for me, by having my own show, I'll learn more because of the way I talk and ask these questions about a person. Like it's, it's so cool. Just that alone is to me has been worth it. So, yeah. And you, you mentioned about the military podcast network, which is super dope. I'm part of a network called the gifted sounds for my podcast, confessions of a native son, because I talk about race, culture, and business. I wanted to position my podcast around that. And so I found a network that curates, um, that curates shows hosted by founders of color such as myself. And so that's the kind of network I haven't really seen a military podcast network. I know we have a lot of, you know, we've got beyond the uniform service Academy, business mastermind, veterans in business. I see trinkets of it out there, but I've never really seen like a whole network come together. I think that's a yeah, cool idea. And I could be, you know, from, and I apologize for anyone that that's out there that has a network that I'm not familiar with, but the, the military networks that I've seen, podcast related and that's really for me why i called it a podcast network because i was like i felt at the time podcasting was going to be more well known enough to where i wouldn't call it what i thought it was right not a radio network not just a something you know media network but truly a podcast network but i know there's a a guy named adam bird who has done this longer than i he started i think 2013 if i remember right he has a, a podcast network it's not a hundred percent military. I think it's like 90%, but it's, uh, you know, firefighters and other thing or other 10%, but he has a, a network called heroes media group. Mm-hmm. So when I started the podcast network, I didn't know that he was out there, but he reached out to me kind of early on. And, uh, so, yeah, so I think there is some, but it's, I mean, I thought I felt too, that's why I really want to do the podcast network is I felt it could affect more things. And yeah, I cared about business and military business and veteran business. But if I could do a podcast network, I felt like I could influence so much more in the military space by having a network of, you know, I used to say 30 to 50 podcasts. I could see hundreds, you know, two, 300 podcasts all related to the military space, getting that message out for all the different little areas that are in the military. So Yeah. Cause I even see an overlap with veterans now. It's like, it's all like service, you know, VSO veteran service organizations, veterans helping veterans, or you kind of have like the veteran business, but it's like, yo, how do we as veterans see racial issues going on in the country? How do we as veterans see issues in our communities? You know, how do Absolutely. we, how do veterans, you know, feel about the environment? I mean, there's so much, it's untapped. It's an untapped uh, opportunity. And it's cool to see you kind of taking the lead on that. Um, Thank you for that. Right now. So just for our audience, let them know, how are you generating income? Is it through your mastermind group? Is it through podcasts? And is it just hustling still? Yeah, a little bit of both. Like a lot of on the podcast network side, I'm taking things that I get and putting it back into the network. The mastermind is early on, but definitely generates a little bit. Um, A lot of the things, so, you know, I I have the school benefit. So, you know, I've been going to uh, school as a full-time student. So, that's right now where I'm, I'm getting revenue is through those areas and then just putting everything else back into uh, the podcast network. So, so for, you know, I have a Facebook group. I've done a little bit on, on my side. I've done some podcast, cons- podcast consulting and gotten paid for that. But, um, I think it goes back for me. A lot of the revenue has been, you know, kind of a little bit here and there and, and figuring it out as I go and, and, the um, the mastermind, you know, so many things for the Facebook group and the mastermind are coming up that I already have kind of some things I want to do as well for revenue kind of on the military veteran business side. So, so there's, you know, I definitely always believed where I was going was multiple streams of income. So, you know, I believe I personally want to, you know, think in my mind or put it out there that I feel the military podcast network would be, could be a billion dollar media company. So that's my goal for that. But my niche for me personally is I care the most about military veteran business. So kind of doing that as well at the same time. So kind of doing both those things. Hopefully that answered the question, but yeah, for, for right now, those You're are hustling, kind of my man. Own. Everybody's hustling. That's what nobody tells you until you become an entrepreneur, particularly a small business entrepreneur. You don't really know how it works. Like you have this idea of what you think, you know, people talk about multiple streams of income. It sounds nice when you got that cushy job and you've got all this other stuff coming in. It's a whole different beast when like you literally eat what you kill. Like multiple streams of income takes on a whole nother meaning. Consultant, 
doing websites, doing all this different stuff, just keeping the dream alive, staying in the fight. But it's fun because you can also grow. It can be exhausting. It can be slightly overwhelming, but you do develop all these skills you would have never thought of. Yeah. And I mean, there's some other little stuff like, I don't, you know, there, there's affiliates and things like that and and joint ventures, but yeah. So those are kind of things I'm putting together and doing and, and, uh, pretty much as I've gone and seen these tools, even Squadcast, right. We're doing this on Squadcast. I have affiliate for Squadcast. So hopefully I'll be in your ear about using this platform, but not because I want to make money off it, but because it's what I believe in what I'm using. So why not, um, recommend other people and get paid a little bit of money off of it. So you know, definitely affiliates is part of my revenue stream as well. So our audience has been sitting with us. They've been hearing us chop it up, talking all things podcast. You starting your awesome network for those that are on the fence, right? Or those that are already have already launched those early stage entrepreneurs out there. What takeaway do you want to leave them with? Just start, I guess. I mean, even, you know, you and I have talked a lot, a lot which I appreciate, you know, you and I are friends, uh, and I've been talking about doing a mastermind for a long time yep, and there, it's no, it's no different now than if I started it, whatever month you start it, it's going to be the same. You know that, like I knew it, but it's, you know, for me, especially I'm like, you know, do I have what it takes? You know, how much did I charge? You, you, at, you, you put all these barriers in your own head. Like it doesn't matter what you do. It's not going to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And your path and my path and everybody's path is your own path. So I guess the biggest takeaway to me is just start, just do it, go with your gut, try it. If you don't die, there's what, you know, like I I just am not feeling uh, ever that fear of failure. It's like, what is failure? You're going to learn from it. Just figure it out as you go, just start. And, you know, I'd rather have done all these things and like it didn't work out and tried it and done it, then be like, Oh, I had all these ideas. I wish I had done that and just take the safe route. Like for me, it's like, what, what is worth it? You know? And I felt like we had that background in the military of doing something that was bigger than ourselves. So if it's your thing and and you really feel strongly about it, I mean, take some counsel, but in the end you just go with your gut. Like, you know, you can get 15 different views of very successful people of, you know, how to start it, how not to start it, when to start it, you know, keep your, keep your regular job. Don't keep your regular job. Nobody can really truly tell you that answer. You have to figure it out for yourself and, and, and just start and then figure it out. So I think that's the biggest thing for me and that I would want to get, give people. I think a lot of entrepreneurs early on when they start out, right? Like on the outside, you're doing all this research. You want to do all this. You want to do all that. After a while though, you just, we just throw stuff at the wall, man. You know, we got no, you, me and you are the same now. We just throw stuff at the wall. You're like, I'm going to start a mastermind group. Boom. Put it out there. Start a podcast. Start recording. Just get started. Just do something. But Mike, I would have never known any of that until, like, I didn't know that when I first in 2014, 15, 16, I would have never known you that you could tell me I was going to be doing something like that in 2020. And so, and the other thing I thought of is look at Airbnb, you know, and I read an article there, like we made all this money in this many years and we lost it all in six months. I mean, and, and I hate to scare people away, but that's the thing. You could do everything right and still not be right. Like it, with timing and, you know, it, it's, but look at the skills. Like if you're an Airbnb or you, you, you know, whatever you're doing in that endeavor, if you build it and then it, it somehow changes, look at all those skills you have. It's not like, oh, now what I'm going to do? Like I can't redo it. I can't pivot. I can't create something now, something else. So I think all those things I don't view as failures for that reason. It just helps you build the next thing and get prepared for, you know, that building, that kind of stepping stone for something else. So don't be afraid. And, and as we're talking about Bucker Labs, there's so many resources. There's so many people that are doing it, you know, like reach out to people, ask them questions. You know, there's, there's so many resources and ways to do it if you really, truly want to do it, but it's not going to be easy for sure, but it's worth it. That's great advice. Before we let you go, you got any more save rounds? No, I think I probably said way too much. You did great, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate having you you on the show and uh, all the insight you've given our audience and just being a champion for Bunker Labs and, you know, this great ecosystem we're building out. For those that are listening, be sure to subscribe to The Transition on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. Be sure to also leave us a review. And before I forget, James, give yourself a plug. Where can people find you? Absolutely. Um, You can go to, I'm on any social media platform, 
James Van Proyen. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, it's V-A-N-P-R-O-O-Y-E-N. I'm sure it'll be on, on the show. Um, you can go to my website, Military Podcast Network. Um, I'm the podcast, uh, I'm sorry, the Veteran and Business Podcast Facebook group on Facebook. But uh, definitely, if you want to find me, it's easy to find me. I'm a city leader in San Francisco for the Bay Area chapter of Bunker Labs. So you can find me on bunkerlabs.org as well or james.vanproyant at bunkerlabs.org. So, uh, you can always send me an email. Yeah, if you're in San Francisco and you want to get plugged into the bunker and you haven't talked to James, you're missing out, man. He's going to help you out. He's going to hook you up. And he's going to look out for you. And he really cares. I'm telling you. Worked with him. We talk on the phone. I'm telling you, this is the guy to know. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest to you, sign up for the local newsletter, and attend one of our and attend one of our virtual events. You'll meet your city leaders, and it's that simple. From there, be sure to get connected at bunkeronline.org, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. We're here to support you. Thanks again for tuning in with us and see you all next time.